Well, good evening, everybody, and we welcome you uh, to the Boardwalk Hardwood Floors Behind the Bench Show. I'm Chris Kerber. Glad to have you with us this week. The program is going to continue on, even though the NHL season has been paused. Normally, we bring you cuts from Craig Berube, some other hockey interviews. But during this pause, we're going to take the time to profile St. Louis Blues head coaches, other coaches, and even some former players and some other stuff that deals with behind the bench strategy, you name it. And that's what we're going to do on the Behind the Bench program. It's brought to you each and every week by Boardwood Hardwood Floors. So glad to have you this week. We're also going to make sure that it comes your way every single Wednesday night from 6 to 7 p.m. right now. So a lot of great hockey content. Some shows still to tell you about here on the home of your Blues 101 ESPN. On Tuesday nights, you've got myself, Alex Ferrario, Joe Vitale, a two-hour program this week in hockey. We'll talk to different guests. We'll keep you updated on all the news, the thought processes, everything that's still continuing to go on as they try to figure out how this pandemic is going to impact either the rest of this season or next. And that's on Tuesday nights from 6 to 8 p.m. On Wednesday nights, this program, the Behind the Bench, brought to you by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors. That comes your way from 6 to 7 p.m. on Wednesday nights. And then on Thursdays and Fridays now, it's called Play Gloria. The St. Louis Blues run to the cup. And starting with the very first head coaching win as a blue for Craig Berube, followed by the first shutout win on January 7th against the Flyers by Jordan Bennington. That's going to be followed by the final game of the 11-game win streak, won on an overtime goal by Ryan O'Reilly. And then after that, all 16 wins of the St. Louis Blues to the Stanley Cup Championship. Plus, we are going to put in the hand pass game as well. So every Thursday and Friday night, two of those games. So Thursday night will be Craig Berube's first win as head coach of the Blues. Friday night, Jordan Bennington shutout. And then next Thursday, you've got the Ryan O'Reilly overtime game winner, the 11-game win streak, followed by the game one win against the Winnipeg Jets in the Stanley Cup playoffs from last season. And it's all brought to you by Mitsubishi Electric. And it is play Gloria, the St. Louis Blues run to the Stanley Cup. And by the way, we're going to be doing one-hour-long pregames for each of those. So hockey discussion on what happens in the game, what was expected, even some post-game reaction, we're putting it in the pregame. So from 6 to 7, discussion about those games. From 7 on, we've got the complete airing of those games for you. And that's all coming your way starting this week. So busy week. So basically, you have hockey now on 101 ESPN on Tuesday nights, Wednesday nights, Thursday nights, and Friday night. So here on tonight's program, Behind the Bench, brought to you by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors, we're going to profile Scotty Bowman. He took over from Lynn Patrick in the first season of the St. Louis Blues. Lynn Patrick went 4, 10, and 2, and in the month of November gave way to Scotty Bowman, who was an assistant on the Blues staff. Scotty went 20 or 23-27, or I'm sorry, 23-21 and 14. The rest of that season, at the age of 34, he would then be the head coach of the Blues for the next two full seasons before stepping into the front office. And when he was in the front office, got into some disagreements with Sid Solomon III. Sid Solomon wanted to play more of the role in hockey decisions, and Scotty Bowman was disenfranchised with that just a little bit. And it was, of course, Sid Solomon that forced Scotty Bowman to trade Red Berenson for Gary Unger. And Scotty Bowman would eventually leave, despite having term on his contract, to go and take over the head coach of the Montreal Canadiens. But his time with the St. Louis Blues was impactful. And we're going to talk to John Kelly and Bobby Plager, and you're going to hear from Scotty Bowman coming up in just a little bit as well. When we come back, John Kelly on Scotty Bowman on the Boardwalk Hardwood Floors Behind the Bench program. 
Well, we welcome you back into the Behind the Bench Show. It's presented each and every week to you by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors. A reminder that the home show sale is going on now at Boardwalk Hardwood Floors. Update your home with savings on all types of flooring, including solid, reclaimed, white plank, and more. Visit any of the showrooms in Crestwood, Manchester, St. Peter's, or online at BoardwalkHardwood.com. Boardwalk Hardwood Floors, great floors for every home with better selection, better value, and better service. I can actually tell you, too, folks, I actually have been doing a basement project. uh, Not refinishing, actually finishing the basement. Part of it, uh, we're using kind of that new luxury vinyl because it's going to be an area where the kids do their artwork and the workout area. The other part is going to be carpet, and we got uh, that vinyl through Boardwalk Hardwood Floors doing a great job for us. So, again, Boardwalk Hardwood Floors helping us bring you this program each and every week. Well, we told you in the first segment, that here on the Behind the Bench show, we're going to start profiling some Blues coaches. And why not start with one of the most famous ones of them all and, of course, the first one. Now, I know he wasn't, as we said before, the first head coach of the St. Louis Blues, but Lynn Patrick was there for such a short while. He brought in Scotty Bowman. Scotty Bowman then took over, and for the next essentially three seasons, the one he took over, the next two plus the following part of the following one, Scotty Bowman was the head coach of the St. Louis Blues. Now, He's tied into a lot. He's tied into the trades that we talked about, a couple of them earlier on. He's tied into some of the early decisions of what retired players, players that were in retirement like a Doug Harvey, to bring him out of retirement and bring him in. And we're going to talk more about those players that Scotty Bowman brought in in our next segment when Bobby Plager joins us here on the Behind the Bench show. But now we're going to pull in John Kelly. And uh, the reason is, is, well, John's history with the St. Louis Blues a lot because of his dad's history with the St. Louis Blues, also has a connection to Scotty Bowman. John, uh, how you doing? You feeling better and still on the uptick? Yeah, feeling great, Chris. Uh, you know, sort of um, every three or four days, I think I make a, a nice, uh, you know, nice progress and um, went for a walk today and felt good. So it's, it's all going the right way. So that's really good to hear. That is awesome. That is that is great to hear. All right. Uh, I know Scotty Bowman is when you talk about your hockey history and, you know, frankly, hockey history in general, he is up there of uh, of one of the kind of ultimate premier people that you have ever really talked about. When I when we bring up Scotty Bowman's name to you first and foremost, what comes to mind? Well, the greatest hockey coach, if not the greatest coach in sports, um, in any sport, quite honestly, when you look at his record and his accomplishments, um, he, he, he was just such an innovator, uh, Chris, number one. Um, he was ahead of his time. Um, he, he was so smart. Um, he looked for any edge he could get um, for a particular game or a playoff series. And even to this day, and we saw him back in November in Tampa, he, he still lives and breathes hockey. And he's always thinking about hockey. Um, you talk about a man with a one-track mind. He, he clearly has that, and <laughs> hockey has been his life. But um, obviously the ultimate winner, um, he was very fortunate, of course, to have some great teams. Um, you know, he, he didn't go to teams that were going to be a three- or four-year reclamation project, shall we say. He, he, he was no dummy. Um, but having said all that, you know, he, he made really good teams, great teams, and championship teams, and certainly not everybody can do that. John, this is an amazing stat. Now, I thought that this was really quite an impressive stat when I would bring it up regarding Bruce Boudreaux, 
who I think in his entire coaching career, in a year where he had the full year as the head coach, he only missed the playoffs two times. Scotty Bowman, who coached for 30 years and left after winning that last Stanley Cup with Detroit, he missed the playoffs in his career. In a 30-year career, he missed the playoffs two times. One time was the partial year when he took over in Buffalo, and, and, and then the other time was a full season when he was with Buffalo. That is it. That That is an amazing nugget when you consider a coaching career. Now, as I said, it's, it's, it's a number that jumps off the page at you when you're talking about, you know, a guy like Bruce Boudreau or any coach for that matter. However, when you're talking about Scotty Bowman, you add this to the fact in those 28 years, he made it to the playoffs. He made it to the second round or further 20 times. This guy knew how to win in the postseason. Yeah, I mean those are those are amazing numbers, Chris. And you know, quite honestly, the job he did in the Blues' first year of '67, '68 is quite remarkable. Um, you know, number one, he he took over. I believe it was early November, and the team wasn't playing well under Lynn Patrick. And he he got them to play well, and he got them into the playoffs. And he he engineered some of the key trades, including. The, the trade for Barkley Plager and Red Berenson, uh, you know, he convinced some of the legends like Dickie Moore and, and Jacques Plon and Doug Harvey to come out of retirement because he knew these players so well, having been working in the Montreal organization for so many years. So, a, again, he was so ahead of his time. And, you know, my dad would tell me, uh, Chris, that, you know, back then, of course, games were not on television. And even if they were, it's not like you could, you know, put it on your, your home TV or even a satellite. That technology wasn't there. But even back in the late 60s, Scotty would go to, say, Chicago on an off night when the Blues weren't playing, and he would scout the Blackhawks in, in that particular game. So just little things he would do to look for an edge – um, he was doing far before a lot of people were doing. Well, and, and when these coaches played a role in the player personnel decisions a lot more then than anyone even come close to doing what they do today, he would there 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 were examples. There were occasional times where he would go do the scouting for a game or two, depending on where it was on a trip, and somebody else might be behind the bench for the odd game or two. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm not really, you know, specific, uh, you know, I, I'm not sure, know about the specifics of, of particular games, but, uh, you know, I do know, you know, Chris, after, you know, going to the finals for the third straight year, um, losing to Boston in 70, that's why he stepped down is because he wanted to concentrate on the GM job. It, right. You know, it's such a big job, as we know, and you're right. Um, in today's game, uh, you know, the coaches, of course, they offer their input to the general manager and the and the people in the hockey ops department, uh, but they certainly don't have the power, shall we say, that Scotty had, you know, back with the Blues in the late 60s. It's not even close, quite honestly. What role did Scotty Bowman play in your dad coming to the St. Louis Blues? Well, he played a huge role. Um, You know, a lot of fans aren't familiar, but the first year in 67-68, Jack Buck and Jay Randolph were the broadcasters, along with Gus Kyle. Um, I think that Jay did the, the limited TV games and, and Jack would do the radio games when he was available because, of course, he, he was doing Cardinals. 
And then after the that first year, um, my guess is that Mr. Buck went to Robert Hyland and said, you know, this is too much. <laughs> I mean, imagine doing a full baseball schedule and then a hockey schedule. And Scotty Bowman recommended my dad because he had known my dad from Ottawa, where my dad grew up and, and worked. My dad actually once broadcast uh, games that Scotty was a coach for in, I'm not sure if it was junior or, or, or minor pro in Ottawa. So he, he knew my dad, and my dad at the time was working um, as a host in Hockey Night in Canada and also doing some, some radio play-by-play on CBC Radio. So he recommended uh, my dad to Mr. Highland, and obviously, the, you know, sent the tape in. They listened, and the rest is history. So, you know, to say that Scotty had a hand in, in Dan Kelly coming to St. Louis is certainly accurate, and um, he, he was a big reason why. I know you were such a young kid when you guys uh, did move to St. Louis. Do you have any specific memories of him early on, uh, of Scotty? Um, you know, we used to go to his house uh, once in a while for dinner and he'd come over to our house and, um, but I was a young guy. I was eight years old. Um, but not really specific about, you know, strategy or specific games. I I just know that he, he just eat and breathed hockey. Um, as I said, at, at that time and, you know, the pre-scouting, um, because you couldn't do it on the video. Um, you know, he at times was really tough on the players and, and probably very, very tough on the players. As a matter of fact, I'm sure he evolved over the years and, you know, he didn't have the same approach that he did in, in his last few years with Detroit in 02 um, for many reasons, obviously times had changed and things like that. Chris, I remember one time my dad told me that, you know, they didn't charter a lot back then, but when they did um, it was, it was a treat for the players. And, and my dad said one night they didn't play a good game and Scotty didn't feed the players. Now, can you imagine today if the coach said, well, they didn't play well, we're not going to feed the players? You know, right away there'd be a call to Donald Fear, number one. Yep. Um, so, you know, that's the type of thing Scotty may or may not have done. Maybe my dad embellished the story. I don't know. Maybe he, maybe they took the beer away or something. I don't know. Um, Bobby Plager might know better than that. We'll but, ask you know, him. Those are the things that, that he would do. I, I think his biggest strength, aside from being an innovator and, and knowing the game so well, is he knew what buttons to push with certain players, Chris. You know, not everybody can handle uh, a tongue lash you know, or, or a kick in the, in the rear end. Other guys need to be coddled and patted on the back. And, and I think from, you know, knowing Scotty and reading a lot about Scotty, and I've read his book, and I've read a lot of books about him. I think that was maybe his best strength, is he knew how to handle all the different personalities on a hockey team. You had an opportunity to catch up with him and do a, a few minutes of an interview with him when we were down in Tampa in November. He lives in Sarasota, Florida, in that Tampa area, and still goes to just about every single game that he can. He is still a senior advisor with the Chicago Blackhawks. His hockey mind is every bit as sharp now as it's ever been, don't you think? Yeah, it's, it's, it really is amazing. And if, if you um, have a chance to get the book, it was written by Ken Dryden, of course, the, the Hall of Fame goaltender who's a great author. He, he's written many books. And Scotty's memory is, is amazing. I mean, he remembers the names of his neighbors on his, on his street when he was a kid. And he remembers names of players that he played with when he was, you know, a junior B player in Montreal, things like that. Um, it, it really is amazing. And 
Um, you know, one thing he mentioned to me after the first period that night, Chris, is he talked about Barbashev. And he said, man, that, that guy is really physical. And he said, you know, Russians normally aren't physical. And I know it sounds sort of simplistic, but when you think about it, you know, Russians generally aren't. And, you know, he pointed that out right away. And the other thing I remember is two years ago when the Blues won that game in, in Tampa, won nothing on the goal by Shen, he, he talked about the Blues' defense and how active they were in the offensive zone and how they were pinching and pressuring in the offensive zone. And as we know, Chris, that's a big reason why the Blues are a top team is because of their mobile defense. So, I, again, I know it's not, you know, we're not breaking um, – it's not science here or we're not it's not great revelations but just little things he picks up right away like Barbashev being physical in one period um it, it just shows you that he obviously knows what he's talking about and he, he picks up just a lot of subtlety well and to show you that the way that he was kind of ahead of his time when when he got with Detroit management and they were able to bring in and put together the Russian five he didn't try to coach those players into his style of play he said to those guys go do your thing and then everything else seemed to cycle around it and it, i mean th- again that's that's just an understanding of the players and the coaching and how what it's going to take to be successful that hey i don't really have to show them anything those guys are so good at what they do it's going to cause enough havoc on the way this game is played here in the national hockey league it'll be successful right and quite honestly chris those five players they played a style that they knew that Scotty certainly didn't grow up watching or right. knowing. He let them play, and they basically played the way they wanted to play, and the other 13 players played the way they were supposed to play. Right. So there were really, if you think about it, uh, when you played Detroit, um, one line played a certain way, and, and a group of five, of course, and then the other three lines played a different way. So as, as an opposing coach or an opposing player, Imagine how that would be to try to defend that. Think about it. And, and the Russian five was obviously so good, and they, they played a style that obviously had never been played in the NHL and, and might not be played again because you just don't see five Russians on the ice together. But that's an example. It's a great example of Scotty being so smart. Hey, let these guys do their thing. I'm not going to mess them up. And uh, let the other team try to figure it out. You're listening to John Kelly. We are here on the Behind the Bench program presented by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors. Tonight on the program, we are profiling Scotty Bowman, who after Lynn Patrick stepped aside in the first season of Blues Hockey, his assistant, Scotty Bowman, at the age of 34, took over. And then uh, the legend really began from there as uh, we profile Scotty Bowman on this week's edition of the Behind the Bench program. John, glad to hear you're doing well. Thanks for uh, setting aside a few minutes for us, and we'll check in with you uh, next week as we profile more coaches. All right, Chris, thanks for having me. You got it. That's John Kelly. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to get the firsthand experience from Bobby Plager on what it was like to not only play with Scotty Bowman, but then get to know him as Bobby went into the scouting departments and Scotty Bowman was continuing to coach for other teams. We'll talk to that about that with Scott, with uh, Bobby Plager here in just a moment on the Behind the Bench program presented by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors on the home of your St. Louis Blues 101 ESPN. And once again, we bring you back inside the studios here at 101 ESPN. It is the home of your St. Louis Blues. Chris Kerber with you here on the Boardwalk Hardwood Floors Behind the Bench show. John Kelly mans this a lot during the season and uh we're going to keep going with uh, myself and john kelly here during his pause and 
And uh, right now, as I mentioned, we're going to be focusing on profiling different blues coaches and other strategies and things from behind the bench, stuff that happens behind the bench. So the, the strategic side of hockey, including profiling coaches. In this hour, we've been profiling Scotty Bowman. We gave you some of the stats in the first segment. You heard from John Kelly, his thoughts of it. It was Scotty Bowman that brought Dan Kelly to the St. Louis Blues. And now let's talk to Blues great Bobby Plager, who played for Scotty Bowman and has been a lifelong friend of his as well. Bobby, first off, how you doing? Everything going okay? You staying safe in your home there? Well, everything's going okay. I'm staying safe in my house. It's uh, 17 days for me. <laughs> About 17 for me so far. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, it, it's very tough what's going on. And, uh, you know, I'm a big believer. I got a family and grandkids, so I'm not taking a chance going anywhere. I've been staying at home, and I've been pretty good. Good. I'm I'm glad to hear that, and and that is that's really what we're told to do, and that's how we're told to do it. All right, let's talk Scotty Bowman here. First off, you played for him. What was it like? Let's just go to the early days. Scotty is an assistant coach, and then taking over as the head coach of the St. Louis Blues. Well, you know, in the early days when I first got here, it was uh, Lynn Patrick was the coach, and Scotty was the assistant. And uh, you know, after a while, I was very close with Lynn Patrick too, talking to him and. He points, Scotty walked by the one day, and he says, uh, be good to that guy because it won't be long. He's going to be your coach, which I think that was the plan. And, uh, you know, when they started here, Lynn would start the season, and Scotty would take over. And, you know, and I knew Scotty for a long time uh, before we got in here. Scotty Bowman was the coach of the Peterborough Peets in the Junior A hockey, and my brother played for him for a few years in Peterborough. And I was in Guelph uh, in the Junior A, and uh, my coach was uh, – Emil Francis at the time. So, you know, I, I'd seen Scotty and my brother playing for him. And Scotty was a winner in the minor leagues. You know, my brother had played. They went to the Memorial Cup in uh, Peterborough. Scotty did. And when he played in the East Coast there in the Eastern Hockey League, uh, he was uh, he won a championship. So he was a winner wherever he went, Scotty. So I knew about him. And uh, and I knew he loved my brother, Barkley. And Barkley played for him for a lot of years before uh, – you know, they got to the NHL here in St. Louis. Well, he did. And uh, one of the first moves that uh, Scotty Bowman wanted to make uh, when he took over was trading Ron Stewart for both Red Berenson and Barkley Plager. And uh, I love the story that you sometimes tell how he let you know that your brother was coming to the St. Louis Blues. Yeah, well, I was going to give you that one now, whether you asked me or not, because, uh, <laughs> you know, Scotty, uh, he thought the world of my brother and the way my brother played. Scotty, when he did take over the uh, coaching here, was uh, the first trade that was made was uh, uh, Scotty made the trade, and uh, he traded uh, our leading scorer at the time, Ron Stewart. And the second leading scorer was Ronnie Atwell for uh, player Red Berenson, who I had played with. I was in New York the year before playing with Red, and, uh, you know, just uh, young. And then he was young and just a great, a great hockey player, I thought, and, and my brother Bart. But when I found out about it, I got a phone call uh, one evening, and uh, it's Scotty, and uh, Scotty goes, uh, Bob Scotty here. You know, I'm thinking to myself, oh, what did I do now? Am I in trouble or what's happening now? And I said, oh, yeah, Scotty, what is it? And he goes, well, I just phoned. I want you to let you know uh, we got the good one. And I said, you got what? He says, I wanted you to let you know we got the good one. You know, Scotty, I says, I don't know what you're talking about. He says, we got the good one. I said, Scotty, I don't understand. He says, we traded. We got your, the good one. We got your brother. 
we got the good plaguer. So, uh, I mean, I, I was more excited, I think, than anybody else uh, to get my brother coming in here and be getting a chance to play with him. Bobby, what was it about Scotty Bowman and taking over at the age of 34? And when he took over, there were players on the St. Louis Blues team that were both younger and older. And there were a good number of them that, that were older than he was. And some of them had come with terrific Stanley Cup pedigrees. Some came in, obviously, a lot from the Montreal organization, an organization that Scotty had been a part of as well. But what were some of the things that Scotty Bowman did to earn the trust and respect of the players, both younger than him and older than him, that allowed him to have success with this expansion team? Well, you know, uh, you know, I look back now, I think Scotty was just ahead of his uh, time. You know, there's things that, you know, years later, you're looking back at what Scotty Bowman did. And, uh, you know, some of the things seemed a little crazy at the time, some uh, a little stupid or something, but, you know, I got to know Scotty and, and you look back, he was just ahead of his time. And, you know, everybody, they say you treat everybody equal, you do this. Well, Scotty was a, a coach that, as an individual, he knew every player as an individual. He knew <clears throat> that you could uh, yell at some players or do something and it could lift them up. You could yell at players or something. They, you know, they would just go and sulk or something. But he knew how to treat every uh, player. And, you know, I'll give you an example. It's uh, a guy like Red Berenson. Uh, Red is out there, and Red's having a hard time for a few games, and Red's not playing good. Uh, but Scotty doesn't come in there and yell at him or bench him or say anything, but Scotty comes in the dressing room the one day, and he, he walks over and he goes, Red, you know, it's my fault. You know, I, I'm the one to blame. Uh, you know, you want to win so bad, Red. You want to win so bad, and I want to win so bad. But, you know, I'm playing you know, on the power play. I got you killing penalties. I got you taking extra shifts. I got you, you know, if I want to, I, I tired you out, Red. I mean, I'm getting you tired. I, yeah, I can notice it out there. Red's going, no, no, I'm okay. He says, no, no, Red, it's it's me. I, I got you out there. I know how bad you want to win. I want to win. And, you know, we're all sitting there listening to this. And then he turns around and he goes, and you know, Red, see these guys here? They get a paycheck, too. You know what we're going to do? We're going to let them earn their paycheck. You and I, let's watch these guys play out. Let's watch them go out there and kill penalties. Let's watch them. You know, I'm going to rest you a little. But, you know, Red's going, I'm good, I'm good. He said, no, no, you're going to rest. He said, these other guys get paychecks. Let's see them work. Let's see them do something. And then he says, in fact, he says, tomorrow, don't even come into practice. Get some rest. Take your family out. You like the fish. You like going to the river. Take your family out for a day. But Red goes out there that night, and he's just flying. But... If he had said to Red, Red, you're playing terrible, you're not playing good, you're not going to play in the power play, you're going to sit the bench, you're gonna... well, Red would have sulked. Right. And you would have lost him. <clears throat> and then there was Noel Picard. And before the game, before the game starts, we're playing Philadelphia, he comes in, and Noel sat, there was Noel, myself, and my brother. He stands in front of Bark and I, and he goes, hey, did you hear what's going on? The word now is Noel Petard is a talker. And it's loud enough for Noel to hear. And you hear, Noel, what'd you say? He goes, yeah, Bart. He goes, Noel, the word around the league now is he's a talker. All he does is talk. The players just they, they just ignore him out there. They don't even listen. Noel, what do you mean, talker? Scotty turns around. He says, 
No, that's the word of the league. You're a doctor. Who have you, who have you hit? Who have you touched in the last two weeks? You haven't hit anybody. You haven't touched anybody. You're just a talker. That's the word in the league. Well, I kill. I do this here. Scotty looks back and I says, see, he's talking. He's just a talker. He hasn't done anything for two weeks. Then he leaves. You know, that night, Bart and I, we're sitting there. We're playing Philadelphia. And it's just, we wait the first shift, second shift, and well, you could just see him out there. He's waiting to get on the ice. And there was a guy, Dornhopper, out there. It was tough for Philadelphia. He comes down, he taps Noel and myself. He says, you're up next. And we get out there, and there's Noel. I mean, he bangs and hit. He's fighting. He knocks everybody. And it's like somebody says, who woke him up? It was Scotty. But that's the way he can handle guys. He, he, he was just a... He was unbelievable the way he coached. He coached, he won, he did it with so many different teams. He did it in some different eras. He did it with different types of superstars. One before the money was uh, almost a non-factor because, uh, you know, the, well, the motivation of we need the money versus the motivation of a lot of money are two different uh, motivations, but money obviously still being a motivating factor of some sorts. What do you think it was about Scotty Bowman in the end that still allowed him to motivate the superstars of a Brendan Shanahan, a Brett Hall, a Chris Chelios, a Steve Eiserman, a Nick Lidstrom, and those guys just as much as he did in the days when he was motivating Red Berenson and Noel Picard and bringing in Dickie Moore and Jacques Plant? Well, you know, I think with Scotty, you know, we talked earlier about how young he was when he got here and the players that we had in here. You know, and he was... Uh, belonged to the Montreal organization, and they were winners all the time growing up. And, you know, they won more Stanley Cups, and they were always up the top. He was part of the organization. And, you know, when he got here, he said, we had Dickie Moore here. We had him at Doug Harvey, John D. Talbot. Those guys were all winners, and they won Stanley Cups. Scotty would listen to them. Scotty was the guy that would sit there and listen to them. He always had an ear. He just... Uh, he wasn't the coach. He was there to learn, too, I think. And and that's why he brought in a guy like Dickie Moore. He knew what Dickie Moore could do for the players, but Dickie Moore could help him. And there's times that the, on the bench that something happened on the bench. A player did something. Scotty's walking down to say something, and Scotty's there. Dickie Moore put his arm out, and he'd go, uh, we'll take care of this one tomorrow, Scotty. And then, uh, you know, you have to go to practice with a guy like Dickie Moore, but I think, he, you know, Scotty was the guy who could sit and listen. And Scotty is always picking your brain. Uh, even today, you get a phone call for something. He wants to know something. He'll sit there and talk hockey. And, uh, you know, just a learner, and he adjusted. And the superstars, how he can handle them. And there were certain little things he did. He said, Shanahan. And there was things that, Scotty, you didn't realize till later, I mean, you're you're he's gone, and you're sitting back, and you're you get together and you start talking. Uh, you know, there's the one thing on the bench we played in here, and it's I guess Scotty, he's not going to yelling at the players. You're not going to get another other players yelling at them, going down and bullying them or doing whatever it was. So, with all of a sudden, one night we're yelling on there, "Who's up next? Who's up next?" And Scotty's sitting there with his arms folded, and he doesn't even look. And the Red Barons are going, "Scotty, who's up? Who's up?" He looks over very quiet and he goes, any five dogs? <laughs> and you look back and other guys are coming over. Rick says, your line's up. You're on defense. So Scotty's back there. Scotty, who's up? And we let these go. 
any five dogs. Just give me five dogs, any five dogs out there. So he yeah, would. Have, he, he found a way. Now, let me ask you this before we wrap up with you here. As we're talking with Bobby Plagers tonight on the Behind the Bench program, where we are profiling former Blues head coach Scotty Bowen. What was their shock kind of or not much shock amongst the players when Scotty Bowman left the St. Louis Blues and went to the Montreal Canadiens? Well, there was shock. But when you're at the player, and if you sit back and look, when we talk about Scotty Bowman, he's from Montreal. He's French. He spoke French. But in that organization, the greatest organization in sports and hockey, and it's a dream. I mean, it's like he came to St. Louis to learn, and uh, it's like coming. I'd say maybe come to the minor leagues here. And Toe Blake, when he retired, you sort of knew Scotty. I mean, he loved St. Louis, and it was like this here. But this is a dream. I mean, it's it was Scotty Bowman's dream. It was a dream of so many people, probably, to coach the Montreal Canadiens. So when it happened, uh, we were down in Florida when all this went on. It was after the season. Solomon, he was he was leaving the Blues. He was not. He was. But we knew. But he, this was his dream when he left. So a shock for a lot of people, a lot of things. But for most of us, no, it wasn't a shock. I mean, it's, you know, this is what Scotty Bowman is. It was a dream. It's getting back to the organization that he grew up with and that gave him a start and that he coached the farm club for many years. Yeah. And he, and, so, so he was going home and, and, to, and, you know, you'll hear so many, the, the reputation Scotty had players didn't like him players this year, like this year, and the, the way they treat, he treated them, they would say, and, but they won Stanley cups and they won. And they always said that, uh, and I was one of the ones that always said, too, they asked me about Scotty Bowman. and I said, there's players and all that. They might, might, like, might not like Scotty Bowman, but there's one day of the year that every player loves Scotty Bowman, and that's in July that National Hockey League send out your playoff check <laughs> for the playoffs. And I think every player that gets that envelope, they open up and they look at it, and they go, you know, maybe that Scotty Bowman is the bad guy after all. He, he knew what he was doing. Bobby, thanks for giving us some time tonight. We're going to catch up with you here over the next couple of weeks. One of these nights, we're going to do uh, an entire show on your brother Barkley, and I think uh, we're going to reintroduce Barkley to some new hockey fans that just may not know some of his history, both before and with the St. Louis Blues. How's that sound? Sounds great. All Thank right. You. Thank you, Bobby. Stay safe. We'll talk to you soon here. Okay, thank you. Bye. That is Bobby Plager. Uh, of course, Blues great is number five, hanging in the rafters down at Enterprise Center. We can't wait to get back there and see it. We're profiling Scotty Bowman, and earlier this season when the team was in Tampa, John Kelly had a chance to catch up with Scotty Bowman, and we're bringing you that chat next on Behind the Bench here on the home of your St. Louis Blues, 101 ESPN. Well, it's our final segment here of the Boardwalk Hardwood Floors Behind the Bench Show. Glad to have you with us tonight. Hopefully you've enjoyed us profiling former Blues head coach Scotty Bowman. You've heard from John Kelly talking about Scotty. You've heard from Bobby Plager talking about playing for and then getting to know Scotty over the ensuing years. Well, earlier this season, John Kelly caught up with Scotty Bowman. He was down in Tampa. When the Blues were down in Tampa, Scotty goes to a whole lot of almost every home game that he can, to be honest with you. 
And John sat down and talked to him about the new book coming out. They shared a couple of quick stories, and we bring it to you now. Here's John Kelly sitting down with Scotty Bowman himself. Legendary Hall of Fame coach Scotty Bowman, of course, nine cups as a coach, over 1,200 wins. And, Scotty, you just came out with a book actually written by Ken Dryden, your former goaltender in Montreal. It's called Scotty, A Hockey Life Like No Other. So I guess the first question is why, after all these years, did you finally decide to do a book? Well, I always thought, John, if you were going to do a book, your life kind of stopped. But Ken phoned me about three years ago and said, you know, you, you've seen hockey since the late 40s. you got to put it down in writing. And Suella was always my wife, always saying, you know, you got a good memory, but, you know, you got to put it down in print. So he, he convinced me that we could do it on our own schedule. And, and we, I used to I'd come down here in October, and he would phone me twice a week. We'd work on, a, on just interviews, and then he would send me the transcripts and say, is this what you said and this is what you meant? And then, he, he, of course, he's done books before. So I felt, I felt comfortable because we knew each other, too. Scotty, I've read half the book. It's excellent and great detail. I mean, did you write things down over the course of your career, or do you, you just have a photographic memory? No, I, I, we kept, uh, we, we are collectors. We kept a lot of, a lot of paperwork and a lot of programs and yearbooks. But no, I, I always tried to. I, I think it came from the days when I, when I got injured and I didn't play. I went to work for a paint company in Montreal, Sherwin Williams, and at that time, uh, I. I was in uh, is the stock records, and I had to memorize a lot of different codes for three different uh, three different kinds of. They had three companies, so I think I developed my memory, but uh, most of it was from my memory. And of course, it was almost uh, 52 years ago to the day. It was uh, a few weeks ago in November in '67 when Lynn Patrick came to you and said, "I will no longer coach the team," and he wanted you to coach. Do you remember the the night it happened and the day it happened? I do remember we were having a tough time getting we, we were getting better but we weren't winning and we were sort of falling a little bit behind although as you know John that first year only six points separated the first and the 15th but we uh, yeah I, I, I knew I was going to coach the second year so it wasn't I mean I was a little bit nervous going in I I didn't know our players in Kansas City though and he said look whatever you want to do because I we, we had some players that I thought could come up and help us and I think we had fellows that were down there like Terry Crisp and guys like that. We made some changes, but the big the big trade that year, which lasted a long time for them, getting Red Berenson and the late Barkley Plager. We, we traded our leading scorer, but Ron Stewart was about in the mid-30s at the time. Rangers wanted a good checker that could play, because they were a good team at those years. They wanted somebody that might be able to keep up with Bobby Hull, and so we it was uh, the timing was perfect. I had no one read from minor hockey days with Hull Ottawa. He, he had the misfortune of coming up to Montreal at the wrong time with so many strong centers. And Red played for the Rangers a little bit. He'd broken his leg the year before, so we got really lucky. We got Red Berenson. I, I always thought that Red, for the first three or four years in, the, in that West Division, there was not a better forward that could play both ways. And, of course, everybody knows Barkley Plager. He was about mid-20s when we got him, got him out of the American League, and he was, I think Barkley would have told you, even if he could, Al Arbor meant so much to, uh, to Barkley. And that solidified.
fortified our defense and forwards. Scotty Bowman, Bobby Plager told me last spring you sent him a note after game two of the Blues series against Winnipeg, basically saying after the Blues won the second game to go up 2-0 that the Blues drought of going to the final might end. How did you know that? I was trying to kid him like I always did. I was I was saying to him, Bob, you know, you're not going to be a parading around St. Louis anymore as the only person that's ever been in the final. So I did it as a joke. And in fact, when I got a text a few months ago, or about a month ago, about the new arena, and you know, and I and they said, well, Bob's going to down skates with his grandson and go for a skate. So I I texted him again. I said, I hope you don't fall over the blue lines like you used to. But I, I, Bob was a you know he was an important part of our team. And I'm, I'm, I'm got to say that, like, finally after 50 years, it must have been such a great thrill for Bob. He's one of the many that stayed there, but he was an original blue. Scotty, you've seen a lot in your days. Did you ever think you'd seen a team go from last place on January 2nd to win a cup? Not with the parity in the league, and uh, that's so unusual. You know, uh, uh, once again, a change seemed to make the difference, and uh, I was I was like most of the ex-Blues. I, once uh, once we didn't make the playoffs in Chicago, I was I was I was texting a little bit with Glenn Hall. I know how, how interested he was, but I think when you look at it, the just the, the way that the thing trans, transpired, and of course I knew Larry Robinson from my days with him in Montreal, and uh, I just I was amazed the turnaround that the team showed. New goaltender, it seemed to be a fresh face for the team, and uh, you're right, it's uh, a story that'll be hard to duplicate. Well, there you have it. That- that is John Kelly sitting with Scotty Bowman. My thanks to John for his help with the show this week, to Bob Plager as well, to Mike Ryder, Alex Ferrario for helping put the show together. It's the Boardwalk Harbor Floors Behind the Bench program. It's coming your way now during the pause in the NHL season every single Wednesday night from 6 to 7 p.m. We're going to profile a bunch of Blues different coaches. We're also going to do some strategic talk as well with different people about key aspects of the game of hockey. Anything that deals with something behind the bench is coming your way on the program. It's brought to you each and every week by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors. The home show sale is going on now at Boardwalk Hardwood Floors. Update your home with savings on all types of flooring, including solid, reclaimed, white plank, and more. Visit one of the showrooms in Crestwood, Manchester, St. Peter's, or online at BoardwalkHardwood.com. Boardwalk Hardwood Floors, great floors for every home with better selection, better value, and the best service. And again, it comes your way every single Wednesday night from 6 to 7 p.m. here on 101 ESPN. We still have plenty of hockey coming your way this week. Play Gloria. The St. Louis Blues run to the Cup starting tomorrow night. The Blues and 101 ESPN are presenting some of the games from last season. Tomorrow night, we start with Craig Berube's first win as a member of the St. Louis Blues. Well, actually, as head coach of the St. Louis Blues, I should say. And then Jordan Bennington's shutout on January 7th against the Philadelphia Flyers. That comes your way every, on Friday night. Every Thursday and Friday night, for the next good number of weeks, we're going to be bringing you two games. We've got three regular season games, and then we are bringing you every single win plus the hand pass game from the Stanley Cup playoffs from last season. So you've got the This Week in Hockey program on Tuesday nights, the Boardwalk Hardwood Floors Behind the Bench program on Wednesday nights, and then Play Gloria, the St. Louis Blues run to the Cup. We've got your classic games on Thursday and Friday nights now for the next foreseeable future here on the home of your St. Louis Blues. So glad to have you with us. Thanks again for tuning in this week. We'll talk to you all tomorrow. Oh, by the way, 
though that program with those games starts at six o'clock. And we're going to be doing a one hour long pregame show, which I guess if you think about it would really be like a post game pregame because we already know the results. So we're going to bring you some details of what you're going to hear. So we've got our post-game pregame starting at 6. The game starts at 7, and that's every Thursday and Friday night coming your way for the next little while as we recap the Blues' run to the Stanley Cup championship. Again, thanks for tuning in here on a Wednesday night. Glad to have you with us on the home of your St. Louis Blues, 101 ESPN.